What kind of Christmas is this going to be this year? What kind of Christmas will this be for you, uh, for your family, for your friends, for those that uh, you're close to? Is it going to be stressful? Is it going to be joyful and peaceful? It's going to be painful. It's going to be fun. It's going to be boring. What kind of Christmas is this going to be? Will this be a Christmas where uh, you grow closer to God? Will this be a, a Christmas season that something happens that makes a lasting impact in your life and in the life of those around you? I'm excited about this Christmas season. Um, I guess officially it's my granddaughter's second Christmas, but since she was only five days old on her first Christmas, uh, this one's going to be a little more exciting. We're, uh, in fact, uh, the sun, uh, after service on the Sunday before, uh, the Sunday before Christmas, we're going to head towards the uh, Smoky Mountains uh, in East Tennessee and meet up with, um, with my family. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. There's just something about being in, in mountains that makes it a little more Christmassy. Is that right, Steve, Kathy? Yeah. Um, I'm hoping for snow. And the chances may not be that great, but I'm, I'm hoping for it. That's one of the things I'm hoping for. I'm also hoping that, that while we're there, that'd just be the perfect timing for, for Ava, our granddaughter, to take her first steps. I mean, wouldn't, and then just perfect, like, you remember that Christmas when Ava started walking when she was one year old? You know, that would just be, that'd be perfect. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, there's that saying that, uh, that some people have that, that says, you know, you, you should have been grandparents first. And some of the grandparents in here could identify with me on that. You're just conscious of different things as a grandparent than you are as a parent. What kind of Christmas will this be? That, that question really came to me from, from looking in Luke chapter 1 at the announcement and the story of the birth of John, the one we know as John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin who came before him, and the announcement of, of his birth came to his family before the announcement of the birth of Jesus to Mary. And, and that, that story is kind of the basis for the things that I want to share with you and have us look at today. What kind of Christmas will this be was kind of, kind of came out of the question that, that's in that story where the people, when they heard about the news of, of John, they said, what kind of child will this be? They were wondering that the circumstances around his birth were special and different. And so they were saying, what, what kind of child is, is this going to be? I guess as a grandparent, I, I'm really sensitive right now, first-time grandparent, to, uh, to being uh, conscious of what kind of child, what kind of person little Ava is going to become. Um, once in a while, uh, maybe once every... Uh, once a week or every couple of weeks, uh, I'm given uh, the task of, uh, it's not a heavy task, but the task of picking her up from somebody who's watching her, picking her up late in the afternoon and, and getting her home for the evening. And uh, when it's just me and, and little Ava in the car, and I usually try to put her in her car seat in, the, in, the, in the, the seat that's to my right, so occasionally I can glance over and, and look at her and check on her and she can see my face or maybe even arrange the rearview mirror where 
where uh, we, can, we can see one another. And when it's just the two of us in the car, I guess I'm a little more conscious about, about like the music that's, that's on the radio or the talk that's on the radio. I'm a, I'm a little more conscious of that, especially when I'm wanting her to sleep. And that's really important. I kind of have a rule that you never, ever wake a sleeping child. Is there, is there ever any good reason to do that? As, as much as possible, you don't wake up a sleeping child. And when I was a parent, you never, ever wake up two sleeping children. That was, that was always a good rule. But I'm, I'm conscious of what's being, being played over the radio and because I'm conscious of, of what is being spoken into her little mind and heart. I'm conscious of what, of what she is hearing and what's in the atmosphere around her. What's being spoken into her life. And much more important than the radio and the car is what I'm saying, what her grandmother is saying, and especially what her parents are saying. I'm conscious of that. And when I'm riding with her, I don't, you know, if, if she had a dollar already for every time I've told her I loved her while, while she's in the car, she'd, she'd have quite a bit of money already. And I, I just say things to her like, I love you. PJ loves you. Jesus loves you. I speak that to her. I, I say, Ava, God's going to bless you. God's going to give you great opportunities in life. You're going to have a good, blessed life. I try to speak that over her. And into her. You know what she says back? She says things like, ah! <laughs> or uh, she has this other kind of language. Sometimes she says, gilda, 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 gilda. She says stuff like that to me. And don't have an interpreter in the car for, for what's being said there. Sometimes she says, ah, 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 ah. she's learned to do that with us. That's something brilliant that we've taught her. Sometimes she just gives me a blank stare, like, you're crazy. And the, the best thing that she does is just sometimes give me just that little smile. Conscious of what we speak over and into. And I would just, just throw in this little note as, as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and all of those things. Let's, let's just be real conscious this season. And let it move forward into the rest of your life of what you are speaking into and over our children. It matters. I really believe that. Christmas is a time about family. And in Gabriel's announcement in Luke chapter 1 to the priest Zechariah, in Gabriel's announcement of, of his son's coming, he talked about the fact that this boy was going to turn the hearts of fathers to their children. And that he was going to turn rebels to the wisdom of God. He talked about the fact that somehow through John and his message and what was going to follow, that there was going to be family reconciliation. And I hope that where that needs to happen this season it happens. I say, well, pastor, if you knew my family, if you knew my family, if you knew the strain and the brokenness there, and if you knew the strained and broken relationships, you might as well be talking to me this morning about climbing Mount Everest. 
Well, okay then. Let's talk about climbing Mount Everest. If, uh, if you're going to climb Mount Everest, you don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to climb Mount Everest today. First of all, if you live in Houston, it's going to take you more than a day to get there. But such an incredible monumental, monumental thing as climbing that, that great peak is going to require a lot of things. It's going to require training physically. It's going to require a lot of, a lot of preparation and, and a lot of gear, a lot of equipment, lots of gear. And I don't know this firsthand, but I've read up on it a little bit. Lots of gear. They, the experts say you're going to need three separate pairs of boots. You need double plastic, climbing boots, and fully insulated over boots. And then at times you're going to need light hiking boots. You're going to need gaiters. Not gaiters as in alligators, but oh well. Gaiters, and you're going to need booties and socks, wool socks, pile socks, synthetic socks. Just lots and lots of socks if you're going to climb Mount Everest. You're going to need tools, things that are essential for you to get from a, a, to another higher point and to help save your life. You're going to need an ice axe, carabiners, a cinders, a rappel device, a climbing harness, and trekking poles. And to stay warm, you guess this, you're going to need lots of good, really good quality underwear. And you're going to need jackets, coats, a pile jacket, pile pants, down pants, a down parka. They recommend a Gore-Tex shell with a hood and probably a bib. And you're going to need a sleeping bag. And along with that special expensive sleeping bag, you're going to need uh, two, two different sleeping pads and a repair kit for any of those things. They say you're going to need two pairs of synthetic gloves, two pairs of pile mitts, and Gore-Tex over mitts, and hand warmers as well. For your head, you're going to need a hat that shields your face from the sun. And then you're going to need a neoprene face mask to guard your face. And you're going to have to have a headlamp for times when, when it's, the sun's fading or you're on the other side of the mountain. And plenty of extra bulbs and batteries. And also those that recommend your, your gear for climbing Mount Everest say, do not forget the toilet paper. You're going to need that. It takes a lot of preparation to do something like climbing Mount Everest. And if you're going to have a great Christmas season this year, where you get closer to God, where there's family reconciliation, where that's given a chance, if, if you're going to have a great Christmas season where there's a lasting spiritual impact that's made in your life and in the lives of others around you. Preparation is needed. Preparation is going to be the key to that. It's not going to happen by accident. It's, it's just not going to happen just because there's Christmas music playing on the radio. It's not going to happen just because somebody's having a party. It's not going to happen just because your family's going to have some at some point some time to exchange Gifts. It's going to happen through preparation. So my question for you this morning in relationship to that is how are you praying right now?
How are you praying in anticipation of celebrating the coming of Christ into our world and into your life? And what that can mean for you. How are you praying? In Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Elizabeth was a cousin to Mary, the Mary we know as the, the mother of Jesus. But she was much older. And Zechariah, her husband, was a priest. Now, he was uh, one of several thousand priests in, uh, in Israel at that time because if you were a priest by birth, it was just a part of being a part of the tribe of, of Levi. So there were thousands of priests. And it came up that during his week of service, which they had to do because there were so many, he only got to serve one or two weeks a year. But it came up that during one of his weeks of service, Isaiah kind of won the lottery for priests. Not the Powerball. By the way, if anybody here won big, please tithe on it. Okay, that's all I'm, that's all I'm asking. But he kind of won the lottery for priests because he got the opportunity by a drawing to be one of the priests, to get to go into the temple, into the sacred place, into the sacred altar, and burn incense and represent his people and the nation of Israel. Not every priest was able to do that in their lifetime. Zechariah got that opportunity. Zechariah had been praying for years, as any good Hebrew priest would, for the coming of the Messiah, for the Savior to come. That was kind of a big picture prayer for Isaiah, that the Messiah would come. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, as any couple in that culture would, were praying for a son, not just a child. No offense to all the wonderful ladies, ladies here, but in that culture, you needed as a family to have a son to really be validated. And as a wife and mother, you really needed to bring a son into the world. And they'd been praying for a son, but the Scripture tells us that they were older. So that's kind of a small picture prayer that was being prayed that day by Zechariah. A kind of more personal prayer. Do you have a difference in, in your prayers, like some big ones and some small ones and ones that you would... Sometimes you have this grand prayer that you pray or that you hear that we should pray for these big things. But then there's more personal stuff and smaller stuff. Sometimes it's connected to also the kind of faith that we have. Ed Dobson was pastor of a, a great church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. 
And years ago, he was diagnosed with uh, ALS, or what some know as Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a disease that attacks the nervous system and the muscles and is devastating. And uh, he's lived with that disease for many years, but a few years ago, he talked about the prayers that he prays for healing. He said he had basically three prayers that he prayed. A small faith vision or prayer, a medium faith one, and then a big faith prayer. He said, when my faith is small, I pray this. I pray, Lord, I'll give up my right hand. Just, just let your disease, just let that disease stop there if it's your will. But he said, if I'm a little stronger in my faith, my faith, I pray, Lord, just stop this disease right where it is. Let it get no worse than it is today in my life. And he said, if I'm feeling particularly bold and strong in my faith, I pray, Lord, maybe you could heal me completely. Maybe you could reverse this disease and all the effects it's already had on my body. One night, uh, Pastor Dobson said he, he called a pastor friend. Um, the Baptist pastor that he was, he called a, a pastor friend of his from First Assembly of God. A little bit different approach sometimes. He called that pastor friend to come over and, and uh, pray for him and anoint him with, all, with oil. And he said, he, the pastor talked to me about the people that he'd anointed and prayed over. He talked to me about people he'd anointed with all and prayed for, and they were healed. And he talked to me about the people he prayed over who weren't physically healed. And he said, what you need to do, Ed, is just get lost in the wonder and the power of God. And if you do that, who knows what God will do for you. Pastor Dobson said, I understood him to mean that if I get lost in the love of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the power of God, if I can focus not on the healing and not on the need, but on the healer, then watch out for what God will do. And he said, that perspective really changes how I pray. So how are you praying? And what are your expectations? What are your expectations for, for Christmas and all that goes with it? What are the expectations today for what's just going on in your life? For your family? What about your expectations for the prayers that you're praying? Will God really do anything? Is God really going to do anything in response to your prayers? Well, in, this, in this story from Luke chapter 1, God shows up. And He shows up in a, in a huge way, a big way. And He shows up with answers to both Zechariah's big picture prayer and his small picture prayer. He sends the angel Gabriel who stands in his presence and he sends the angel Gabriel to Zechariah while he's there in the temple and he says, Zechariah, you're going to have a son. That's the smaller prayer, if you will. And your son 
is going to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. The big picture prayer. Zechariah's response to God's revelation is a lot like our response is sometimes to God's revelation. I'm not too sure about that, Lord. His response to Gabriel's announcement, who's just given him the answer to his biggest and most also his most personal prayer, his response is, uh, we're too old for that. I just don't see how that can happen. The angel's response, and as a spokesman for God, we would say God's response is very strong. Back to Zechariah. Luke chapter 1, verse 19 says, Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. And it was he who sent me to bring this to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. I read this this week, and, and I think it has great truth in it. Sometimes underestimating God is as dangerous as rebelling against him. Yeah, I'm praying these prayers. I'm praying these prayers. Sometimes I'm requesting prayer from others or sort of requesting prayer where really I'm just kind of complaining. But I really don't really, really expect God to do anything. At least, at least not something that involves me having to do something. And anyway, it's probably, it's probably too late anyway. In this story, we see something really powerful about God's timetable. Zechariah and Elizabeth, according to the translation I read to you this morning, were very old. I've seen some estimates as much as the fact that, that Zechariah might, might have been 90 years old. That's pushing Abraham on having a kid. I don't know if they were that old, but they were well beyond the years when you could reasonably expect a child to be born. But God sent them a son. And the birth of John, who we know as John the Baptist, was exactly when it was supposed to be. It happened exactly in God's big picture when it should. Well, we got lots on the table, all of us do, for the Christmas season. There's events, I've already been a part of some of them, probably. You got the shopping for gifts, you've got the, the pictures, you, you, you've got kids' programs, 
and there's going to be lots, lots of food on the table. Right? You've already walked by some of those tables, haven't you? Man, it's a, it's a, I, I, I have a, a need right now. I feel like to, I need to drop a few. I was in better shape a couple of years ago, and, and I need to drop a few pounds, and, and I keep thinking, well, I'm, but this season of the year, it, that's just tough, isn't it? It's just hard. It's just downright rude to not eat all the stuff that, that's out there for you during December, isn't it? And Thanksgiving and all that. There's lots on the table. Let me ask you this. Is full obedience to God on the table for you this season? Is that something that you're putting on the table? Full obedience to what God wants you to do. You see, God's going to work this season and every other season. God is going to work to accomplish His redemptive plan. And it would be a lot better for you and for me and for us if we just open up and say a full yes to Him. If I could paraphrase Gabriel this morning, he basically said to Zechariah, Zechariah, this could have been a lot easier. But since you're doubting, you're not going to hear or speak until this child is born. Now, I don't know if somewhere in the background Elizabeth was praying for that to happen to Zechariah or not. I mean, I guess... I guess maybe, maybe that could have been an option. You say, Pastor, do I read this and think, well, God's going to punish me for my doubts? Well, I don't, I don't know if punish is, is the right word. But I do know this. God's going to reveal himself to you. He's going to reveal himself to me. And it's always, always going to be best if we respond obediently and faithfully. Now, the story goes on, and Zechariah did eventually respond that way. And, in, and as you read the story, if you can see what's going on there, instead of caving in to peer pressure and family pressure, and cultural pressure, instead of caving into that to name his son with a family name, which was very, very important in that day, instead of doing that, he named his son John, which means God is gracious. And when he did that, he could speak. He could hear. And when he did that, he spoke or Maybe not spoke. It may have been that he sang these words that we find at the end of Luke's gospel. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet 
of the Most High. Because you will prepare the way for the Lord. And you will tell His people how to find salvation through forgiveness for their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. The question for us today, will hearts be turned to God? Stay with me here, folks. You've heard a cell phone go off before. Will hearts be turned to God this season? Because of me. Because of you. As you prepare yourself for this season and the unique things that it has with family and with friends, will hearts be turned to God? John came and his purpose that God gave him was to to give the message of repentance to people. Repentance means a turning of the heart. And that repentance, the act of repentance, became the door for those people. And it's the door for us and people we know. It's the door through which grace is offered and hope shines. So this Christmas, I'm asking you, are you going to walk through that door? You're going to walk through the door of obedience and faithfulness and repentance. And I'm also asking a lot of us here today if we're going to be that door. Will you be the door this season through which grace is offered and and hope will shine? Will you be obedient and faithful to do that? Listen, I know you all have prayers that you're praying. I don't know if it's meaningful or helpful to even qualify them as big or small. I guess that really doesn't matter too much. What matters is how are you going to respond to how God reveals Himself and how He begins to move and meet and answer those prayers. Are you going to be obedient? And are you, are you going to be a person like John who becomes a catalyst for people's hearts to be turned to God? How's your faith today? Are you ready prepare to prepare for this season? Be obedient. You got prayer cards you may have filled out already you want to come and bring. You may want to come and kneel at the altar, but let's stand and let's pray and let's prepare our hearts obediently to Him.